Hi everybody, thanks a million for tuning in today. I'm so delighted to be joined by Jess. So Jessica, Jessica, well I call her Jess, um, <laughs> is an OT but also founder of My OT and Me. So great platform, educational platform for students and kids um, with the occupational therapy side LinkedIn. So thanks a million Jess for joining us today. No, thanks for having me. Very exciting. Great. Great to have you on board. Um, so obviously we're kind of linking in this month around Dyslexia Awareness Month. So Dyslexia Awareness Week was primarily last week, but obviously all of October is is Dyslexia Awareness time frame. So we're just kind of linking in with any tips and tricks people have from different kind of fields, both psychologists and principals and all of those type of things. Obviously you have a vast wealth of experience from from various ranges of people that you've dealt with before so maybe just give us a bit of background to yourself Jess first and anything that you think might be helpful for our viewers today. Okay perfect so yeah I'm Jess I'm a pediatric occupational therapist I'm based in Cork but I also do some work in Limerick and I offer home-based intervention Um, so I go to the child's home and I do that support kind of family-centered so looking at the environment and how I can kind of work with them so I also like you mentioned I'm the founder of my OTME platform where we offer um, a learning platform for parents and educators where they can kind of upskill on areas of child development and um, things like fine motor skills, gross motor skills, how to develop like concentration at home, real like practical tips and strategies. Um, and then also there's a motor skills program called Octobox um, and that arrives to your door and it's full of like really exciting, fun activities that I've custom designed. Um, so kids can follow me doing videos, they'll get a login. Um, so it's kind of like a, tele a teletherapy model almost, but it works on tons of skills in a really fun play-based way. So um, that's Octobox and MyOT University is the learning platform. So Great. I kind of do a mixture yeah, of like yeah. the clinical work in people's homes and also online. And I think traditionally, occupational therapists wouldn't always be linked to um, children that have dyslexia or adults that have dyslexia um, because it's more kind of educational models sometimes when they look at it. But obviously, as me and you chatted when you came on my platform as well, you know, there, there is a big crossover. And sometimes those kind of functional skills that aren't discussed as much like organizational skills and some of those visual perceptual skills that could be tricky for kids and also that kids can have dual difficulties they may also have dyspraxia or they may also have dysgraphia um which is very common as well so it's really nice to have that crossover with an occupational therapist who can look at how that child or that adult actually functions in everyday life like how they access employment or manage their timetable for college or all those kind of practical skills so it's so yeah, great the background like obviously providing that both an online platform because obviously as the, the changes re-emerge now with, mm -hmm. with the new elements of COVID, it's great. Obviously you do provide that one-to-one um, -one additional help, which is fabulous for, for people, but also for that to be maybe not as accessible at the moment, definitely that online option is there from Jess's perspective. Mm -hmm. So great, couldn't recommend it more. Really thought I knew a bit more about that space, but then I started watching your videos. I was like, I don't know any of these things. So it's so it's so great even for like teachers and you know mm -hmm. not even specifically for parents just to learn more of different tricks you you know where you're on about the the pencil grip and you know writing and you know all of those elements which very much tie over with dyslexia and learning differences mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and like that handwriting and letter formations are the basis for literacy development um, and how like visual motor skills like copying shapes actually has a huge impact on children being able to like copy things from the board and all those other skills that can come up. So um, yeah, I think it's great to link in. I think sometimes things are seen in isolation and maybe parents or educators access one person where it's nice to have that kind of um kind of, I suppose, multidisciplinary support, but that doesn't always have to be face-to-face intervention. Yeah. That could be doing my learning platform and doing Octobox at home and linking in with you, or it could be linking in with a psychologist and doing Octobox. Or, yeah. So it can be a mixture of supports. It doesn't have to be face-to-face intervention. Completely. And like, that's definitely the main aim. I mean, like there isn't one size fits all. There really is mm-hmm. like a combination of strategies really is the best approach. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, they need to be kind of worked in from a timetable and a financial model perspective. Mm-hmm. But ideally, where possible, kind of a combination of bits from an OT and bits from a tuition perspective, you know, really a well-rounded approach really gives you then the best assets and skills mm-hmm. for a student or for a parent wanting to provide that for a child. Yeah, exactly. Like we were saying, it's, you know, I suppose the ultimate focus for parents is to have eventually an adult who can function within you know society and contribute in their own way and you know I suppose be able to reach their potential and I suppose that's the basis for what OTs do and then from you know matching it in with that kind of home tuition and tutor perspective it really gives that kind of holistic view to how a child copes within the educational system but also how they cope kind of in the community and society in general so um, there is that nice crossover for sure. Yeah, and I suppose obviously linking in with kind of awareness on Jess and just general tips doesn't have to really be specifically tied to dyslexia, even though lots of tips will work for people that are dyslexic or not dyslexic. But just a general, maybe a few um, key takeaways that maybe parents or teachers watching today with kind of maybe changes happening with, with lockdown taking place. What do you think people could be doing at the moment um, just to try and help link in with those aspects that you teach? Mm-hmm. So like I think with like obviously at the moment in particular with schools remaining open um, children are still in school and when they're coming home in the evening it is quite overwhelming at the moment I think um, although you may feel like children are kind of sheltered from that at the moment they are exposed to a lot of talk around COVID but also a lot of talk around pressure in school because teachers have limited time for teaching now a lot of the time is like cleaning and stuff so if you feel like your child is not is falling behind a little bit one thing I would say is sometimes especially for children not only that have dyslexia but may have any kind of specific learning difficulties they may struggle in those early years with getting their letter formations so really learning the motor plan for their letter formations if you feel like your child has missed that big chunk of school and now they're moving on very quickly with the writing maybe they're starting to write words or they're starting to write sentences and your child is still really struggling with processing how to form their letters what I would say is make sure that you um um, ensure that they have those letter formations automatic before you're moving on to the bigger sentences because what you're doing then is you're trying to put the um, focus on other aspects of sentence like spacing and you know line placement and what can happen then is a child just becomes overwhelmed and they can't remember all those different mm-hmm. factors so the challenge isn't just right it's actually too difficult so it's really important to go back over those letter formations to make sure um, they have them and that doesn't mean that they have to be 
writing their letter formations over and over again. It could be like tracing in sand. It could be tracing in sprinkles at home. It could be tracing in the air. How teach me pretend they're the teacher teaching you as the parent. Like, how do I do the letter A? So if a child actually can say you start with a C, you go up, down and you kick, then they know their motor plan. Mm -hmm. If you trace it on their back, can they guess that's B or that's C? That mm -hmm. means that they have that visual representation of the letter. Whereas if you say to them, trace the letter O or trace the letter G in the sky and they're doing it from the bottom and they're confused and they're getting it mixed up, they don't know their letter formation. So what I would do then is I would really kind of work on that aspect before you expect them to be able to do it within the line and write it within a sentence. And that is like one tip I would say is really, really important around the letter formations and you can do it in a fun way. Um, I go through how I teach the letter formations in a different way on my OT university, but I think for parents just go with what teachers have explained, but make sure that those skills are really consolidated. So that's one thing I would say, because there's been a huge, um, a lot of kids have missed out on junior infants, a big aspect of that. And, you know, now they're in senior infants and maybe they're struggling a little bit with writing and stuff. The other thing I would say that's really important is before kids do homework, they have just left a huge period in lockdown of they could get up and move around if they wanted. They had a lot more exercise. So a lot of kids are finding it really hard to transition back to school where they have to sit still for so long. Mm -hmm. If your child is entitled to movement breaks in school, make sure that they are getting them at the moment. And there is no reason why they shouldn't be facilitated in school in a safe way so that's one thing I would follow up on if you find like your child is much more tired in the evening or they're not able to concentrate um, and then I would do a little bit of exercise before they do their homework so like whether it's jumping on a trampoline or whether it's cycling their bike or walking the dog or playing outside so that little bit of exercise is so helpful to get us in that just right space for learning and doing a little bit of work so um they're like a few tips yeah for kind of those primary school age group I suppose definitely that movement around so vital and so vital for all of us you know even as yeah. a teacher or a teacher you know they're sitting down lots of people are sitting down as we know we're both sitting in front of a computer mm. there's lots of stationary positions happening more so now than probably ever before so really that ongoing movement around really really helps and something that we both advocate for quite a lot is just that physical health aspect because again linking in mm -hmm overall to your mental health then as well yeah. and, and so definitely for yeah like you were saying there you know really important actually because I've kind of given a few strategies for that younger age group yeah. for the older age group as well that are doing a lot of learning at home especially college you know mm -hmm. it's been a very kind of some are going into some lectures some aren't like just be really really strict with kind of planning out get a big wall planner and plan out when mm -hmm. is my next project in when is my next paper and because what can happen sometimes is I think when you start in college you do it like you did in secondary I'll get that done and then I'll start the next one whereas unfortunately with college it can be I'll get that started and then I need to start the next one as well because maybe your next paper is going to take longer so it's to really kind of make a list and actually start immediately even if it's just doing an hour every evening of research or whatever it is but I think sometimes it can be hard when you're doing a lot more self-directed learning at home especially for some of those college students that have you know organizational skill difficulties it can be so overwhelming for sure yeah and I suppose with all of that move now with the more of the online because there's so many that I, I obviously work with university grads as well so there's so many of them that just have all online you know they're not anywhere remotely in the college or university um, anymore it's all kind of 
through online classes and and then online assignments and online exams so it's very a sitting down and sitting in front of a computer very little moving around but then very very self-directed like was obviously massively self-directed before but now there's no accountability like you don't have to ever actually meet anybody now from college if particularly if they're in the later years you know if they're nearly finishing or if they're in their third year so it is it is very much kind of that learning path of how you adapt and alter you know your learning strategies now for for more online and what's so interesting Jess as you mentioned just going back to your first bit about um letter formation so a common thing I always get because I had bits with myself is b's and d's right for dyslexic people it just seemed to don't know did some poster go around when everybody's in school or something that everybody says oh maybe the b's and d's or letters that look alike I get so many parents consistently asking me oh b's and d's so definitely like they must be dyslexic is from your experience is there a correlation obviously the letters look somewhat similar and do you have any tips as to how you can probably overcome that so like, yeah, so the B's and D's, I think maybe where that probably uh, stemmed from is B's and D's and P's and Q's. Yeah. Um, because the formation, if a lot of children and adolescents and adults that have dyslexia can also have visual perceptual difficulties. Mm-hmm. So the way that they perceive visual information sometimes may be inaccurate or um, they may have difficulties with that. So yes, sometimes you will see the B's and the D's get reversed because um, they find that difficult when forms are different. So if a form mm-hmm. looks different, so let's say if writing is done in a different way, sometimes they can find it harder to process and to actually learn from that. So a lot of students will rewrite notes um, so that they learn it from their writing and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's really interesting that way. But what I would say with B and D is, there are lots of different kind of things like bed, you know, like if you spell bed and you think of the two posts of the bed, you know, so B is the first one. Whereas I would prefer if the child has a really, really clear um, idea of how the letter is formed. So B always starts from the top because I call it a bounce letter. It's like a bouncy ball. So you hold the ball up here and you bounce it off the ground and it comes back up. So when you do B, you start at the top, you bounce down, you bounce up and you give it a belly. So it goes forward. Whereas when you do D, it starts with a C. So you start with a C and then it goes up and then it goes down. So if you have your C formation correct, you should never get D wrong. Where the, where it goes wrong sometimes is that B and D are started both from the bottom or both from the top. So then for a child, it's incredibly difficult if you don't have very good visual memory of how that letter looks. So then what can happen is they come down and then they're like, oh, I'll just go either way. You know, it's really hard. And then you're not going to really be thinking bed up. B, oh, yeah, B is first, so B goes this way. Don't really slows down the process. So I think if they get the letter formation right initially, it can really help. Um, and the same with P and Q. P is a bounce letter, so it starts at the top, it bounces down, up, and around, it goes forward. But Q starts with a C, goes around, down, and kick. So if they get all you really have to ch- get the child to learn is C the formation for C and if they don't reverse C then you can go on from that yes if children persist with a letter reversal sometimes it is an indicator that there may be something going on um, for them whether it's a motor planning difficulty or whether it is actually a specific learning difficulty because a lot of children that have dyspraxia or DCD may also struggle with their letter formation so you do need to make sure that it isn't just streamlined oh well they definitely have you know dyslexia because they're finding that hard that there's a lot of complexity with 
within that and within writing in general. So you just want to make sure because it is hard that if there's 30 children in the class and the teacher is teaching a letter formation, you can't exactly observe every child. So it is down to the parents to know the letter formations and to make sure that when you do see your child doing it, to try and correct them at the beginning. Because I feel that if there potentially is an underlying difficulty with motor planning, unfortunately, continuous errors actually don't help. It just solidifies that motor plan for that letter. So you do want to do that errorless learning that you correct them at the beginning so that they don't actually form that motor plan incorrectly. So so valuable just really really important like and as you mentioned that early intervention from all stages you know that early correction but early correction also in in let's say the correct format so it's not early correction and coming up with your own way let's say of doing the letter knowing that that way kind of isn't working it's early correction with coming up with let's say a strategy that's been trialed and tested and used let's say on your platform or used by other ot's as to that actually works that actually succinct with your brain and so so vital about the B's and D's and obviously not making that initial assumption, you know, so many coming on, oh, it has to be this or it has to be that. Again, mm. following up with that process, it might not be dyslexia, it might not be that strange that you think it is. Again, trying to iron out what, what are the possibilities with that? Could be just a developmental stage and could it be something that could be worked on, you know, through Jess's program or through that, or is it something that needs to be addressed further? But so interesting, as you said, how to form letters, I wish yeah. I would wish I was taught that when I was in school (laughs) and also the thing is is that oftentimes it isn't those kind of like traditional kind of things that you hear myths around dyslexia it's often when you see a child who has a huge discrepancy in their profile and that's what we would often look for is why is there a huge gap so whether that's due with motor skills like a child is actually doing very well academically but they can't actually form letters because they can't hold a pencil or they can't kick a ball or they can't climb or whether it's due with education a child is extremely good at numeracy or very good at their reading but is really struggling with the spelling so when there's those huge discrepancies you are thinking "Mm, could there be a specific area of difficulty here and that's really important is sometimes it's not that it affects every area of life actually it can affect very specific areas and that's why it's really important to get then a professional who will actually look at the bigger picture and whether it is just ruling out things that can be the thing as well as that parents will initially go to an OT and potentially rule out that it's dyspraxia Um, and then they may say right maybe I will go to an educational psychologist now maybe it's actually more around the kind of visual perceptual academic kind of skills yeah definitely going through going through that process is really vital and kind of trialing the avenues really because you don't really know what to put your finger on first and obviously from let's say a parent perspective that can be quite daunting but definitely Mm. very worthwhile journey if there's a child or student struggling you know that early intervention really as the, as the main theme really of the whole topic is so so vital you know the earlier kind of you can come to that crossroads of putting in stuff to help the child move forward the better their overall well-being and progression yeah. in school will help you know and even like you were saying there um you know around kind of like different you know strategies and early intervention and things that you can do if a parent sees that their child gets kind of confused with let's say like finding things in a busy background so if they're looking in a in a drawer probably every child but like can't find something or can't find something on the board to copy down really struggling with taking down their homework or finds it really hard to match things that are similar or all those kind of like visual the way they perceive things or maybe they bump into things a lot or find it really difficult to have personal space it can be really nice even to work on those visual perceptual skills they're really good for everyone so like 
dot to dots, you know, like spot the difference, crosswords, you know, there's some lovely games on thinking toys, smart games, you know, that are around like motor planning and perceptual or like Cubits is a really good game for like older kids or um. There's also Square Up is a great game, you know, for parents that are thinking, oh, I'd love to get like a few games, let's say like for Christmas or something like that, that maybe we could like do as a family, you know, um, they are really, really nice games. They work on several different skills and they are always very helpful for children who have any kind of specific learning difficulties because they're more around those kind of cognitive processes. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think visual, as you said, so great they spend so much time in school looking at either numbers or words you know there's there's less and less time anymore for kind of pictures and art and all of those type of things so you know spot the difference all of those type of things with has a color format or has just a picture format they don't have to look at words and look at spellings those things really really vital then to try and just take that brain part out of it for even just half an hour or 20 minutes each day would be great definitely Perfect. Jess, listen, thanks so much. Uh, it's great. Thank you for, for having me on. All your fabulous, fabulous suggestions. Again, couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, and it's so interesting, all your OT university stuff. Really um, great to check it out. Also, Jess does an awful lot on social media with other videos and things to tips and things to link in with for people. So definitely feel free to, to link in with her, especially during this times of things change mm. and the school dynamic be great to just get some ongoing help and support really so would highly highly recommend and um, those things again if people have any questions or comments feel free to direct them into us or comment below or feel free to follow up with Jess if you have any suggestions thanks a million for watching and tune in soon